I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello. I'm so happy. We've just watched the first episode of Series 3. I would say the noise you made more than any other was a kind of... Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kendall? Well, it, it was Kendall every time I made that noise, but in different contexts. It was a few different moments which we'll come on to. Also, we will be talking to Chris Addison, comedian, actor, writer, director. He has some great thoughts on succession, and that's coming up. An incredible, um, like, it's almost as though he approached some of the stuff he said less as the director that he is and more as like a psychotherapist. And of course, all the stuff that we've received from you and feel free to contribute. The email address is fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. But I thought we could start with just some very quick fire questions. Okay. What was the best inter-sibling moment? I think for me, the best one was when Shiv tried to fake Roman into thinking she'd been named. The way he immediately knew she was joking before I knew she was joking made me feel like they do know them better. They know themselves better than I know them as a viewer, which made me feel I was in very safe hands. Your thoughts? I would go with any of the siblings singing, Kendall ringing Shiv and going, Shiv, Shiv, or Roman's little... Your friend doesn't like you, woohoo. I think it might have been a boohoo rather than a woohoo. I think it was woohoo. And then it was, and dad wants to fire you. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. Okay, okay. Okay, <laughs> we've sorted that one out. All right, uh, the, the moment in the episode which reminded me and you the most of each other. I think I saw a lot of you in Carl when he needed to eat something and he had to go and order a sandwich. Carl needed a sandwich. You, you are so remarkable for that. We have been in the queue for these restaurants where you can't book a table and they've said oh, it's a 20-minute wait and you've gone to a nearby Pret-a-Manger to buy a sandwich to eat while you wait for a table to eat dinner. I'm a lady with a blood sugar issue. and so, <laughs> Like Carl. Like, and apparently it? Carl's the guy who has a blood sugar thing. It, they can't, what, what does Logan say? He says we're running on saliva and adrenaline. Oh, so good. That, I it? would yeah. love to run on saliva and adrenaline. <laughs> I could be grieving. I could be in the throes of a deep grief and I still can feel affected by anger. I I could wake up in the morning and eat a full sushi platter. Uh, What was the moment in the episode that most reminded you of me? It was Shiv's response to Lisa rebuffing her very strategic attempt at getting what she wants. 
Well, I think that's made me very likable for I, the I, listeners. I mean, if you were truly an asshole, I wouldn't be able to present that to you as a personality flaw. What was the moment that made you cringe the most in this episode? Roman trying and failing to be like, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my name in the ring. To me, that was the most relatable moment in the whole show was, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to put my best foot forward here. I'm going to advocate for me and then you find yourself in the moment of it with a tough crowd and you just wind up looking like a moron. What about you? I'm going to go with a Kendall moment and there were many, but I'm going to choose when he suggested getting one of the writers from BoJack Horseman or the Harvard Lampoon to make his Twitter feed a bit funnier and edgier. Oh god. It's so heartbreaking. Whenever he's pumped up He's even more heartbreaking than when he's borderline suicidal. Oh, I feel it's just like two sides of a different... Yeah. I find them both equally extreme. Finally, if we had to give this episode a nitwear score, I'd, I would have to go with a zero because I, I don't no, recall I don't seeing anything. It's the wrong it... season. Logan, who is the principal cardigan or sweater wearer of, of the show, is in a hot climate, so he hasn't got his cardigans with him. I would love to know how much those cardigans cost. Because is they it, look like they'd be something from Marks and Spencers, but they're going to be thousands of pounds. Oh, right? I wonder if they're they're in the high hundreds. You don't think you could get a, a billionaire's cashmere something or other for nine hundred and fifty pounds? And I would also like it if uh, if you listen to this and you know where Logan gets his cardigans, or if you would be able to come up with a knitting pattern, we could have it downloadable. Honestly, we would like to keep that. But the thing to do is then we could hold some kind of competition, and someone would win this knitted jumper as you like to say. Well, if you've got a lead on uh, on any knitwear, uh, that email address again is... Fuck off! At firecrotchandnormcore.com Well, let's go through the episode. So let's start with the titles. A couple of adjustments. I notice we see Washington, D.C. in there. And the yes. White House. We see like a, a sort of Hollywood... Remember my theory? Yes. That maybe Willa's play is going to be adapted... Into a film. Do you feel that that Connor gets because he's so far beneath his siblings that, like in a way, Logan is more forgiving of him? I wonder if it's because Logan has looked at Connor for most of his life and just seen what he's done wrong as a parent or not being round as a parent, and the reason he is angry and has this more complicated relationship with the other three is because they were a chance for a clean slate mm. and he screwed that up as well mm. and it makes him more angry and he despises them more on some level i agree with that new tickers if you look very carefully you see uh, you see the the i don't know if they call it a crawl across the bottom with the atn news headlines we see hollywood boss sneers if the poor are so poor why aren't they thinner we see Equality activists found with child porn bonanza. Also, I smiled at her by the photocopier. Now I'm facing chemical castration. Right. And there was one more, wasn't there, which was um, tech giants plan to force America to eat lab-grown human meat. (laughs) What is so good about these is they are hilarious and they could be on Fox News. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard the This American Life episode about the writer's room at The Onion and how much effort goes into those headlines and those stories. 
And it's it's sort of like you know that if you can get someone to laugh in the room, then it'll probably go to print. But but not going too far with these, not not pushing it so far that it becomes an, an onion headline, but pushing it far enough that we're here talking about it is part of the genius of the show, I think. Incredible. Shall we go through the family? Yeah, let's do it. So Logan then. Okay. Here's my first question on Logan. When he asks people what they think or brainstorms with people, how interested do you think he is in what they are suggesting versus is he just trying to work out where they stand, who needs their buttons pushing, who's with him, who's against him? Oh, that's so interesting. So I think he simultaneously needs and hates being the smartest guy in the room, which he legitimately always is. And I think there's something about hearing people sort of dance for him that's that's doing some kind of job in terms of helping him figure out what he thinks and also giving him a little bit of the juice that he needs in a day. Does that extend to the bit in the airport lounge in Croatia where Roman basically says, all we've got to do is kill Kendall, you know, say that he's got mental health issues and that he's basically insane. And they're all piling in on on what they need to do to destroy Kendall's reputation. What is Logan thinking in those moments? I I think that the deepest feeling he's feeling is pride that his son is a contender. I have to say, when I was looking at that airport lounge, and sometimes when I see the inside of the private jets... I don't think they look that nice. You don't think the private jets look nice? I think they look too pokey. Pokey? I don't think I even understand what the definition of the word pokey means. You know, like small and and cramped and they look a bit like a 1970s hotel. I I think you're being unreasonable. I thought the toilet inside Logan's jet where Tom called Shiv from was a very good looking toilet. But apart from that, I'm generally underwhelmed by the interior design on a private jet. You feel like give me the... A a, a private jet to me on this show doesn't look better than the the, the nice end of an aeroplane. I think think that's one of the most insane things you've ever said. Really? Yeah. And I think also that the people with the the kind of taste that you're describing Uh don't, don't have private jet money. Yeah. Okay. Everyone with private jet money is going to have a private jet that looks the same way. I read a great thing by one of, I think, either the, maybe a niece of the Disney family. And she has this sincere belief that the point at which the super rich mm. become detached from the rest of society is when they start flying around in private jets. Yes. Because there is then, after that, there's no point at which you are mixing with ordinary people. You're not queuing up for anything. Yes. Even if you are spending £15,000 on a first class ticket. To, to some extent, you still have, have to go to through queue. the airport. And and that's one of the things I've read about Succession as well, is that when they, they're in that world, they, they don't have to wear an overcoat. They're never cold enough that they would have because to wear an never, overcoat. Like they're yeah. never exposed to cold air for that yeah. length of time. A thing I thought what was interesting to me about this episode, because you brought up that um, sort of Croatian airport waiting room, I thought it was really interesting to see them in a not incredibly posh setting. Because mostly we see it for Logan. They're all in Croatia, but then Logan has to go alone to Sarajevo. And I thought Logan's going to be able to handle Sarajevo. Yes, I thought Whereas, that. like, if Roman or Shiv had been in that, yeah. air, look out. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Kendall, who, of course, uh, as oh ever, was God. the, the heartbreaking oh, center Ken. of the episode. 
And it's it's when he's pumped up, and I was thinking about when he went into Volta for the first time, mm-hmm. or when he met those young artists that he wanted to, or when we, the very in. first time we meet him yes. in in season one, it he, never goes well for him. No. The Alpha Kendall is more heartbreaking than Broken Kendall, certainly more repulsive. And it made me, you know, when season two ended, I thought, okay, Kendall, have you got? This is different. You're different. People change. Not that much, but a little. Has Kendall changed enough that now he can really do this? And I got to say, the man that we're meeting in season three is making me think he can't. But the thing that makes me... This introduction of Lisa is fascinating. Because Lisa, he seems to know... That Lisa is better than he is. You're giving me a look that says no, no, you're not I'm re- pu- no. I'm really interested in this. Yeah. If, if what we're seeing when he gets pumped, and he's like, Get and he's sort of doing that thing we've seen him do so many times that makes him bad at what he wants. And he's to sort of playing be. the part of what he thinks a businessman yeah, behaves like. Yeah, it feels like. so uncomfortable and it's so cringy. Is there is there some foundation being laid in his relationship with Lisa that will help him be who he needs to be as he kicks his father in the balls or whatever it is that he says? That's interesting because he is going round looking for that parental approval from everybody yeah in this episode we just see this kind of what do you think then did i do good i'm the greatest guy in the world even from greg can we do a swift piv to greg or do you think not yet we, we can squ- swift piv to a, greg yeah. a swift piv to greg is that when we see him in that car and he's supposed to be like taking over social media control and we sort of see his profound incompetence and it's so, you know, that if he's doing anything other than being a weasel, he's useless. And yes. He's a smart weasel, but otherwise useless. And we see that in such nice contrast to Jess. Mm. And of course, the job he's there to do, we see is everything is playing out in that scene in in um, Rava's apartment is he's there to tell Kendall that he's king. Yeah, he's going to be a sycophant. And, and is there any better sycophant? No. And um, we, we've seen him go from... Might might he be the decent one? Might might we say? And then you realize, oh no! As soon as he, he's in that world, he's not decent, and he's working out how to 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 navigate it as a weasel. And I think, yeah, you're right. What we're going to see is uh, sycophancy will enable you to fail upwards. Yes. Are you anxious about his mother's uh, credit card spending? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That made me feel. <laughs> Wait, side note. I think we should bring in what's happening. You're getting annoyed at me because I just made a crackling noise. You opened a, a box of blueberries. Open up a box blue- of blueberries, but I thought it might be worth including as a detail because we're showing what we were telling about earlier, which is that I have to eat when I have to eat. And we've not even been recording that long and I have to eat something to be able to keep pushing forward. But why didn't you wait until there was a moment of silence to do it? There's not been any silence. We're just talking. Okay. Greg. Yeah. We haven't had any love interest so far. No. There was something mm-hmm. about when those two young women from the, I don't know if it was social media, reputation management company, were, were having that meeting with Kendall and the way he was interacting with the younger of the two. That made me think, I wonder if that lies in the future for Greg. It's so interesting you say that because as it was as that interaction was first starting, I thought, oh, uh, uh, seeing a flirt, seeing we're going to see cousin Greg attempt to flirt, and then based on where the scene went, I thought, oh no, it's it's just showing, it's it's showing just his overall incompetence, and actually, it's showing that these women are so far above him and are, are showing professionals to contrast against. <laughs> what well, he says that he's written down some tweets. 
Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, it's like, I know we Twitter. can go find them on Twitter. Yeah. I am. Um, I, I sort of think over the weekend we're a PR company to try and piggyback on the the launch of the new series of Succession, which is what we're doing. We're, we're we're promoting a vibrator called Greg the Egg that you could use whilst watching Greg on Succession, and I couldn't help but think that maybe they've misjudged uh, how many people are finding Greg sexually interesting. I feel like no one finds Greg sexually interesting. Do you find Greg sexually interesting? Yes, email us. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. I would love to hear from anyone who finds him interesting. I mean, I'm not even going to attempt to talk to someone who's using that vibrator. I think that was a (laughs) terrible idea. But I would like to hear from anyone because I've never heard anyone express that thought. Maybe we could widen this out to unlikely succession crushes. Oh, I like that. Check there is anybody listening to this who has a thing for Carl. No. Maybe Frank, but I don't think Carl. Well, let, let, let's see what we get back. I have a crush on Colin. He feels like my unlikely crush. Does I have a slight thing for Jerry? I don't know if it's tied into hers and Roman's dynamic. Oh. I don't think I have anything of that to me, but who knows? No, but I think you just like um, seeing her be a little bossy. Do you have a thing for Jess? Mm. Do you have a thing for Lisa and her Lisa? A little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, I can yeah, see for you. yeah, yeah. Let us know about your succession crush if you have an unlikely one. Is there anybody we're not seeing that you are salivating over as you're watching the episode? Not that we want to be objectifying these people, but interesting to hear. No, we want to objectify your objectification. Exactly, yes. So that email address again is? Fuck off at firecratchandnormcore.com. Did you have any additional Kendall thoughts? I ended season two thinking that Naomi could be a good thing for him. I began season three thinking that she is chaos. She, I wrote down, the devil enters. Yes, yes. And what I, I will just say this. If we believe in this idea... Yes, people can change, but not a lot. That's like, what Jesse Armstrong said in an interview the other week. Oh my God, great minds. Jesse and I all the time. <laughs> but basically, but that's true. And you watch the show and it's so clear. Like, he's the mo- Jesse is the most, first name basis, you know, the most incredible observer of people and putting real people in these extreme situations, blah, blah, blah. This is my issue with the Naomi character. The woman that we saw get ferried off that super yacht at the end of season two, who's like, he loves the broke in you. I'm seeing intuition. I'm seeing compassion. I'm seeing all these things. And then it felt like just this witch rolled up in season three. And I'm excited for what that witchiness will bring. But it it felt like it was just a different person to who I'd seen previously. Do you not think the the addiction plays into that, though, that she can be two different things? Because she rocks up with food and opens a bottle of wine. So who knows where she's been before that? So I saw her sober in season two. And now I'm seeing her using... In season because we three. see we, we see her drunk in the helicopter in season two, where her and Kendall are like fucking yes, but around I with felt buttons. she was. So, so this is was, what I mean. I mean, there's a Jekyll and Hyde yeah, component yeah, 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 to it, depending yeah. oh, on whether okay, she's so, okay. sober or not. So yeah. I, I think. Um, do you think Jess would make a good PA? Jess, the assistant. Yeah. How is this even a question? Do you not think she looks terrified all the time, like somebody's holding a gun slightly off camera? No, I think she's just young, okay. but but profound competence. You think you'd be good at that job, don't you? I think it's what I was born for. In the summer of 2000, I lived in London. I was studying abroad. And I was an executive assistant to bankers on London Wall. And 
I was spectacular at the job to the extent that I did it for six weeks and they threw me a going away party when I left. Oh my God. I thought of another fun project for the podcast. Go on. What if we can get any of the people who I worked, whose phone I answered at the summer of 2000 <laughs> to get in touch? Here were some of the names. Paul Davis, Renata O'Donnell, um, <gasps> Katrina Fitzgerald, David Fast. I wonder if they remember you as being uh, as, as as competent at that job as you remember yourself Our, as being. Ajay, Ajay Gupta. Ajay Gupta. That was another one. I answered the phone for all of you. Are any of you listening? I live in London now. Let's do a reunion. How would you have handled having Logan on the phone saying that he'll grind your bones to make his bread? Oh. And then passing that on to, uh, well, I'd say, RJ Gupta. Um, so Logan is the David Fass in this situation. Yes. David Fass's office. I would have handled it really well. I mean, I was just... Re- did, if, if, did she put a foot wrong in your opinion as a, as a, 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 a PA? No, just because I knew, and- I knew never to have an opinion. Mm. Anyway, I, you know, I'm a fan of Jess. Do you like Carolina? The maneuvering is too close to the surface with her, I think. Yeah. Interestingly, she is the wife of Patrick Wilson, who is um, a very good actor. For anyone out there, if you're like me, if the minute you get obsessed with a show, you need to not Google, not only Google all the actors in it, but also all the spouses of all the actors. Let me save you some legwork. She's married to Patrick Wilson. Any others that we need to know about? Jay Smith Cameron is married to Kenneth Lonergan, who is a very well-known film director. And they have a child together, which I'm interested in because we only have one child. So I like to look for, I love looking for power couples who just have one child and then decide that the sacrifice of giving my child a sibling is going to be worth it for us to have our pathetic careers. (laughs) I love when you look for the exceptions. Yeah, I always look for exceptions and to try and make the exception the rule. I I look for these people who had some kind of quantum leap in their careers as they approached 50. Oh, that happens to people. That does happen. Yeah, but very rarely and it's very unlikely. But then you see one and you think, I'll be fine then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better call Saul. What's that actor's name? His name Bob is Odenkirk. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk. So don't think about all the ones that, that no, no, didn't no. happen for. Just think about the think one about that you can. The, one the fact person. that you can think of one so readily shows how unusual John it is. John Hamm didn't get his big break until he was thirty-two. Thirty-two, though. Now, now it feels like a baby. Baby, yeah. yeah. All right. Should we talk about um, Shiv and Tom? Should we bundle them? Yeah, let's do Shiv and Tom together. What about the uh, the lack of an "I love you" return from Tom? He just says, thank you. In a way, it's such a big moment, but it's it, it was one of the least interesting things to me, only because we know that Tom's power in their marriage, since he sort of laid down the gauntlet, he's he's gained more power. So this is just going to be the question of the season, isn't it? So when when they uh, when they blow each other a kiss, you said to me, "Well, we no, 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 they did not." blow each oh. other a kiss tom blows her a kiss and in this way that's very sort of unshiv she does this sort of awkward attempt at like catching the air kiss in a fist and i thought it was exquisite acting you know this sort of just b- being reduced to some version of yourself that you're not supposed to be i thought was spectacular I was wondering why Logan took Tom with him at first. And, and he said, Tom, you run ATN, you'll need to be across this. I don't buy that. Oh. I think it's because Logan thinks if Tom goes back to the States and is arrested or subpoenaed, he will make a deal to avoid prison time or he would crumble under the pressure of it. So he's keeping him close and Chef! keeping him off American soil. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're allowed to feel proud Thank of you. that. And, th- and then that... Bit on the play. I mean, firstly, I thought it was really interesting when we see Frank and Carl talking about 
the things in the past that company has been through that they've lived through. Mm. And I like the way Tom is kind of soaking that up like a sponge. And it makes you think, could Tom... Could Tom become a serious contender at some point? If if you'd have met Carl when he was Tom's age, would you, would you have thought this guy could be right near the top of the company? Yes, because I think that whatever this is back, you know, it's back to this nepotism stuff. Is that like whatever Carl was? I, I'm going to assume that he got to where he got to, not because he was married to someone or not because he was someone's kid. Mm. I could be wrong. Whereas Tom is where Tom is because of who he's married to, and who, and of course Shiv is where she is because of whose child she is. So we see Tom go to the bathroom and tell Shiv what's going on. When he appears to uh, throw Shiv under the bus, is is he playing reverse banjo is yes. the question as Logan yes. puts it. I, and I think that that was just Tom proving his own incompetence and therefore Shiv's incompetence. All right then, Roman. The first thing is when they are in that lounge at the Croatian airport and Logan sort of takes everyone's temperature and he's sort of doing a classic Roman, no, fuck it. If you're a pussy, you you know, you'd do that. But if you're there, you do this. And I felt from that, from that moment... Logan was underwhelmed by him. And I sort of was wondering if that, if you interpreted that as like laying the groundwork for the full cock up with the call of dad, it's me, that makes him go, Roman's out. Maybe. There's a, there's a bit in that scene, actually, where Logan walks past them and ruffles Roman's hair, which just reinforces, I think, what what a boy, what a little boy he thinks of Roman as being. How happy versus jealous is he about the Jerry news? I think it's what he thought he would be happy with, or at least happy with as a compromise. And I think it's perhaps hit a bit harder than he thought it was. Do you think there is a slight sexual retreat from Jerry? This is my question. Is she now actually sort of given this opportunity, like they're going to be alone in this hotel room, that that's too much accessibility? And as she said, she is ultimately successful because she has some level of restraint that Roman absolutely lacks. And or is he only up for fully doing it? Because as we know, he's got an impotence problem. We know that, right? So actually is the only reason he thinks thinks he can do it because something in him knows that Jerry won't actually fuck him. Furthermore, when she gets that promotion, and I'm speaking both literally and metaphorically with this, does that make his dick harder or softer? He he does kind of make a quip about her being in charge of him. So but, I think he gets a little thrill out of that, doesn't he? Yeah. I can only imagine it would do more for him. Mm. And I think that while he is upset in a certain way the the knowledge that it's not shiv means he can ultimately rest easy is there a conflict in between what he desires in terms of a sexual power balance and what he desires in terms of a, a business power balance perhaps there is does Roman actually like being on the sidelines saying, everyone, shit, I could do a better job of this, this than, than actually having to roll up his sleeves and do it himself? Also, um, I thought we got an interesting glimpse into Jerry's professional competence. Oh, so we, yes. we know she's, you know, she's at a high level. We also know she is very good at, uh, at reading the prevailing winds. But when she is on the phone to the White House, I 
think she kind of screws it a well, little bit. This is what's so interesting to me is that I, you know, you know, the thing that I love is I love watching people do their jobs. Mm. I think the most erotic moment in our marriage was very early on and it wasn't actually sexual. It was getting to watch you at work. And it's been downhill since then. <laughs> I, ge- I genuinely think there's some truth in that. It's been downhill since then? You're sitting looking at me now in our loft oh, where yeah. I am most of the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm often not fully dressed. Yeah. And then like back in the day, it was like you were like calling shots at people. So yes, it has been downhill in that way. But I do love you more now than then. Well, not I'm not really. sure. Not really. I'm not sure. But anyway, that is I ca- value you more because you're the father of my child now. This This idea of finding somebody more or less attractive because of their job. Oh, I love it. never occurred to me. Like, if everyone that I know, I could just go and watch them do their job. I find it so sexy. People at work. Let me move on. Okay. Love Jerry. Plot thickens. She has my full attention. All right, then. So we've we've uh, we've we've mentioned Connor. Nothing really for Connor in this episode, apart from just the usual uh, humiliation and rejection. What to me the best and the most interesting. Connor moment. Willa is the one to say to Logan anything for Connor. And I'm not even sure exactly is that supposed to show us intimacy? Does it come from an actual place of love for Connor? That to me was my favorite moment, my favorite Connor related moment. Well, that is our whistle stop tour of the Roys for this week. We would love to know what you think, as you can hear. We are very thrilled with our analysis of these characters, but are we missing something that is obvious to you? Is there someone that you would like Sarah to give her fully unqualified psychotherapy treatment to? Um, Also, we want your unlikely succession crush. Any leads on Logan's knitwear? Have you ever been on a private jet? Do they all have that business centre at the Four Seasons interior design? And do you know anyone who knows anyone who can get someone even tenuously connected to succession to speak to us on our completely unofficial podcast this is arguably the part that i'm the most excited for jeff coming up next we are talking to comedian director actor all-around hero chris addison i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, each week on the podcast, we are going to be appointing somebody to the Waystar Royco board and then uh, getting them to cast their vote for CEO. And for the first episode, I'm delighted to say that we are joined by gentleman, scholar and acrobat Chris Addison. Hello. (laughs) Wow. Thanks very much. That's a reference to a show that I did in the last century. We're old, aren't we? But that's okay, because that means that we are exactly the kind we're old white men. And so exactly the kind of people that you would expect to see on such a board. All right, Chris, welcome to uh, well, welcome to our impressive boardroom here. Um, what, by the way, is the most impressive meeting room that your life and career has ever taken oh. you into? Well, when the film In the Loop came out, which I, which I was in, my a- a- agent sent me to Los Angeles <laughs> to do some meetings. In amongst these meetings, I went to ICM, which is one of the huge mega agencies and uh, I went with the head of my management company a magnificent gentleman who I uh, adore uh, who is a very lugubrious Aussie called David Madden he's sort of uh, he doesn't quite fit into LA into your sort of conception of it because he's really kind of laid back and uh, yeah we'll we'll give that a go and it's he's so unlike the prevailing culture there he's sort of exactly who you really want to have by your side in those meetings. Anyway, they took us into the boardroom and it was vast, vast, this boardroom. And David and I sat on one side of it. And on the other side were these sharp-suited guys who were going, we love you. We love the movie. You're going to be a huge star. I mean, legitimately doing doing all this stuff. And because I didn't know that that's just what they say, and that's kind of over-enthusiasm is the currency in Hollywood. I didn't realise that this was this meant nothing. <laughs> like it was fundamentally meaningless. But you just take it at face value. And I, I was thinking, oh my god, I'm going to be a star. These guys love me. They just they said that, and they said, and they've got the power to make me a star. So I guess I'm going to be a star. And um, the meeting lasted about 45 minutes, which is exactly how long those sorts of meetings last. Um, and at the end of it, uh, David said, "Listen, guys, this has been great. Uh, we'll be in touch, of course." And um, do you guys validate parking? <laughs> so what the meeting came down to was who was going to pay the $7 for his Lexus to be in the parking garage whilst we were having this meeting. And I and it was at that exact moment I went, oh, oh, okay, this is all bullshit. <laughs> this is all nonsense. I've got a question for you, Chris. Yeah. What do you think the key is, if there is one, of mm. taking these horrible sociopathic characters <laughs> and turning them into the people that we root for? How do they do it to us? How does Jesse Armstrong, how did David Chase, how do they get us to do that? I think they show us the human. Mm. Every one of those people is a desperate person. You know, everybody in the Roy family, with the exception possibly of uh, Logan Roy himself, is a desperate person. But even he, to some degree, is desperate. He's the only true 
the, the only person that we see as a true monster in that show, in spite of the fact that they're all fundamentally monsters. But then when he takes and his shirt off in the swimming pool and you oh, see that he was... In, see in the New scars Mexico? from when he was abused as a kid. So they even give us a bit yeah. of that with him. But not only that, but right, you know, right at the beginning, that, that extraordinary thing towards the beginning of the first season where he's just confused and he's pissing in his own office... You know, like he's um, he's a man on who's in decline, desperately trying to stay on to um, to stay on top of his life and his brain and the things that he's achieved because they're the only things that that define him. So monster though he may be, you can you can absolutely understand the tragedy of watching everything slip away because not because you can't exert the control because you've lost control of the business on its own terms but because you know your your capacity your human capacity is fading and so your capacity to control is fading um and and so you know you're watching everybody in desperate straits i think the one character who i i feel less like that about is shiv yes i said this to sarah and i was saying that i sort of agree with it the one that i feel a little less pain for yeah. is Shiv, but then it doesn't feel totally comfortable. I feel like in a way I'm saying she's one of the less likable characters. Yeah. And incidentally, the woman. And that feels like my own internalized misogyny, but maybe not. Are we supposed to feel that way about her? I think of all of them, she's got the killer instinct, hasn't she? You know, I, I feel like she has inherited her father's killer instinct. And if she were a man, this none of this would be in question. There's your misogyny. But what about that line from Holly Hunter in season two to Logan where she's like, Shiv isn't quite as smart as she thinks she is. And I thought, oh, I'm sort of into that as a note. Whereas Logan yeah, yeah. is as, you know. Astute. He's just more astute or something. But then she wasn't willing to sacrifice Tom at the end of season two. Is that demonstrative yeah, of a lack of killer instinct, or just is it her heart? Yeah, it could into be. Play? That's interesting because she, because she already sacrificed Tom by marrying him. Yes. <laughs> oh. Do you know what I mean? Like, when, like it was such a it was such a move on her part. It's a very peculiar relationship that they have, and she's very dominant in that relationship, of course. Um, and so you sort of feel, and you didn't feel like she loved him. I'll, t- I'll yeah. tell you what is heartbreaking. If you ever see people from Tom's old life, be it his friends who aren't allowed to go on the stag do, <laughs> or if you see his parents at the wedding, it's it's just a little bit heartbreaking. I mean, he he's so wildly out of his depth. The the interesting thing is watching people like Tom because he has he has no family contact except Shiv so every everything all of his chips are on her aren't they really whereas whereas the four children have got actual connections to their father and the problem that Logan has with his kids is that he's basically looking at them going are these all just damp squibs like it looks like we've got a I can't believe it but I've squirted out four dogs <laughs> and that and that is that's his problem that that you know his that's... his problem is twofold one is that he doesn't want to let go because it, it Roycourt defines him it's the only thing that he really cares about and it's the only thing that he's got and once he's once he's let go of that he is nothing and he's not got any interest in anything else and the other is that he you know that concern that people get at a certain age about their legacy 
is in danger because he can't it's difficult for him to know if he can keep it in the family because these people are fundamentally <gasps> not up to the job oh god do you think it's relevant that succession is this show with a british sensibility but made in america because there's a parallel with there's a parallel with veep on this and actually well, there's quite that, a lot yeah. of sort of um, cross cross pollination between those two shows yes there is a there is a lot of cross pollination between between veep and succession because obviously um i think jesse might have worked right at the beginning of veep on on veep but i might be wrong about that he was you know obviously he co-created the thick of it with armando and wrote on every series and um uh tony roach who's his sort of right hand man on succession uh tony is um big part of the Veep family, Georgia Pritchett's working on it, John Brown, all of these people. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of cross-pollination. To your point, though, I think that the reason that it it's good to import a sensibility from one country onto a story from another country mm. is that you get rid of a ton of baggage. This is why it, it, it works. So you'll... You, have an outsider's perspective on something which is extremely useful for satire which is what veep is and also what succession is really succession is a satire on uh on billionaire families and and that bloated media business which isn't to say that you can't do things about your own country of course you can but i i think there is something about an interested outsider someone who is genuinely excited by the subject but is from outside the culture, I think you get something quite special mm. then. And that's why succession works. If you had to put it in percentages, how much of you can just enjoy what Jesse Armstrong mm. has created versus how much of you does it eat away and make you think, oh God, I wish I'd done that, is wildly jealous? Well, what you have to understand is that Jesse Armstrong may be the nicest person in the it world. It seems that like, way. I've, is, I've met him once uh, and he seems he just is, great and unassuming. He and Simon Blackwell and Tony Roach, who were the three original Thick of It writers, it's sort of hard. It's, you, you, it's tough to get a Rizzler between them as to who is the, just the best human. They're, they're all people who, if we were invaded by aliens and the aliens went, show us why we shouldn't destroy you, you would happily put up as exhibits. Like they are great humans and good, and good people to be around. And um, so I... And and also, you know, so and Tony's on that show and wonderful Georgia Pritchett is on that show. And so I I am thrilled that they're doing it. I am. I think there's a bit of me that goes, God, I'd love to direct that. Like, I would love to. I'd love to direct a couple of episodes of Succession. It looked because what a cast to play with. I mean, that was the great that was the great thing about Veep. And what I get to what I got to do there was it's such an exciting toy box to be offered that that cast those people the abilities that they have and what you can do with people who are operating at that higher level it's the same with the succession cast you know you've got this copper-bottomed astonishing writing by jesse and his team and then those and then those people who are phenomenal i mean every single performance is phenomenal okay we're getting to our big closing question i have a pre-question to the closed question Do you watch Succession on your own or with your wife, or is it a mix? Always with my wife. Great. That's a point. And, and you're, not, you're, not, not you're not skip intro people? No. Skip intro people are the worst people. I agree. So I have, I have turned off on, on um, Netflix and on um, 
Amazon and all of those things, I've gone into the preferences and it doesn't skip to the next, doesn't offer me the opportunity to skip to the next episode. I am not interested right. in that. I'm not interested in skipping. And the reason is it's about rhythm. Mm. So you as an audience member, if you skip that or if you skip the credits, you're not getting, you're not getting the proper rhythm and you're not, and you're, you are denying yourself part of the, the overall effect. Absolutely. And do, and do you play air piano along with the, with the theme? Well, yes, I think with that, with I mean, it, it's quite complicated fingering, we, though. It's fascinating that theme, isn't it? Because on the quiet, because Succession is so big, and and is so universally adored, we've sort of managed. It, it's drowned out the fact that on the quiet, it has one of the all-time great theme tunes. All right, here's what we need to know, Chris, and then we release you back into your life. Chris Addison makes the decision. Mm-hmm. Well, he gets a vote. He's on the board. Okay, okay, okay. He gets a okay. vote. You're on yeah. the board of Waystar Royco. You get a vote. Who gets your vote for CEO and why? If I wanted to destroy Roystar Waco, and why wouldn't mm-hmm. I? I would. I would go for Cameron <laughs> or Tom. Isn't it yes. funny that we all call him Cameron? Yeah, we all. Everyone calls him Cameron. Why yeah, you? that's his name, and it doesn't matter what they call him in the show. Yeah. He's called Cameron, <laughs> and he will always be called Cameron. He was called, he was called Cameron when he was in Spin was City, and he's called Cameron now. He's in Succession, and he can see that as a curse, or he can see that as being part of, for our generation, one of the great cultural shibboleths, an incredible legacy uh, of our lives. Yeah, uh, so Cameron for destruction. But if I were Logan, mm. you're a, you're a share um, you're a shareholder here. It's in your interest. Yeah. I would go for Shiv. Okay, it's one for Shiv. I would go for Shiv, and I would go for Shiv because maybe she isn't as smart as uh, she thinks she is, but I also think that uh, she is. Um, she has the most capabilities of those people. She sort of has the most self awareness of those people. She's the least pleasant of those people, of those very unpleasant people, in a way. Although she's my favourite by by some distance, um, but I th- and I think that. Uh, I think that she would surround herself with the right people. Oh. Whereas I don't think the others necessarily would be able to do that because I think their ego, egos are too fragile. Yep. I'm very sold by that. All right. One vote, Shiv's, for, one vote uh, for Shiv's Shiv. ability to surround herself with the right people to compensate for her deficiencies. Thank you for casting your vote. No, you're absolutely... It's, it's just a pleasure. I assume... As a member of the board, I have some shares, and there'll be going to be some dividends at some point. Absolutely, it, it depends. Uh, it, it, it depends uh, on the uh, you know the shares the value of shares can go. Investments can go up as well as down. Uh, so it might be the, the, the it might be the case that we'll be tapping you up for more capital <laughs> and investment at some point. Okay, and what what's my legal position on the whole cruise ships business? <laughs> I think there's some culpability. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! You didn't mention we, this. We, we need a, we need a skull. To come we on need a skull. Podcast. <laughs> Normcore. Should we call each other firecrackers? I, I, I think, you think it's, it's too, too on the nose. It's too on the nose. Okay. Let's let people uh, let people get get there themselves. Okay. We want this to be a place for you to put your succession feelings as much as it is for us. Um, so please do email us with theories, predictions, anything you've noticed, unlikely crushes. Can you get us 
somebody who is in some way, no matter how tenuously. And if uh, anything, the more tenuous, the yeah. more our vibe. Yeah, we want somebody with a connection to succession and, and, it, and we would love you to help us find that person to talk to. All these things and more, we're, we're here for whatever you want us for. It's uh, fuck off at firecrutchandnormcore.com. Okay, so from our first listener, Elizabeth, so happy I found your podcast. Equally thrilled, Elizabeth. Getting this prediction in just under the wire. The kids are all in on this. Well, she writes in parentheses, maybe not Connor. But when she, so what I think what Elizabeth oh. means is that the betrayal of Logan was not a unilateral move by Ken. Mm. He had Shiv's and uh, Roman's he consulted with them first. This is what she thinks. And uh, does she offer anything to back that up? She says, when Shiv says, poor bastard, she's referring to Logan. Well, do you know what's interesting about that is Logan's first instinct was to call all three of those kids over in that airport lounge and ask them if, this is, if, yes. if they had anything to do with this. And Logan has good instincts. Um, that's, I mean, that would be a twist and a half, wouldn't it? That would be a twist and a half. I mean, I'm I I love it as a theory. If my life, if I was going to like win a million pounds based on whether I guessed right, I would guess no. What about you? You can't do anything with a million or ten million. You don't want to be the poorest rich person on the oh, block, do yeah. you? Um, yeah, I, I I think it's a really great theory. And and when she said about Shiv saying. Poor bastard meaning Logan. Oh, that's really good. But I, I can't, I think they're too self-interested. To f- I, that's, I think that's right. But I also, I, what I really in part love about this is that it gets us to that detail, which we otherwise have not yet mentioned, which is that the first thing we hear from Logan mm. is wanting to know if the betrayal has been by more than one child mm. and what that says about him. We close off the email from Elizabeth. She writes... If I can request a name, Burgundy for breakfast. Oh, great. Like Connor on the yacht. Yes, like Connor on the yacht <laughs> after he finds out that he can't get to be president. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. his presidential run. Okay, so from now on, you will be known as Burgundy for breakfast. And anybody who contributes to the podcast, and we use your email or your contribution in any form, we will th- then give you a succession name. You can either request one, like Elizabeth did, or, or we will just bestow one upon you. So Elizabeth, from here on out, as requested, you are Burgundy for breakfast, and she signs off, of course, with, fuck off, Jeff, to finish with here. What are your big questions? Where are Stewie and Sandy in all of this? Yes. And how how does all of this affect them trying to uh, wrestle control? There was some little bit about what it had done to the share price, and presumably it makes the share price go up. Um, So does that weaken them? I don't understand that world of business enough, but I'm sure that will factor in soon. Uh, My second question is, can you think of somebody with a more strangely shaped head than Hugo? Fisher Stevens. That's the actor's name. Very extreme looking man. He looks like a chopper chop. He, I don't know what that is. Those, uh, those little lollipops. Still don't know what it is, but okay. They should make Hugo Pez dispensers. They should. <laughs> he looks like a human Pez dispenser. I, I don't know that I have another question that I'm like, here's my biggest question. I think the dynamics I'm most interested in are all things Lisa. We've got this new force in our midst, and I'm excited to see 
how it affects things. And just thinking about the Roy siblings, just to finish, and we can finish with this every week if uh, if this feels like a good question. Um, who gained power? Who lost it? Well, it does feel that Ken gained power, but holy shit, it feels... It's like watching a child hold like a something, you know, a slippery balloon or something like that. That's how it feels. And you're sort of watching him grapple with it. Yeah. And and who lost the most? I think it was Shiv. I can't make my mind up. If Shiv had been able to secure Lisa's services, would Logan have made a CAO? I don't think so. I think he was just dangling that as a carrot. Yeah, I agree. I think that in a way, I think Logan being the one who didn't get Lisa made his loss probably the most significant. But Shiv also in terms of losing power in her marriage and being officially out for CEO. All right, there'll be a mini episode on Friday. It'll just be like a little 10 or 15 minute thing uh, with uh, with follow-ups to what we've talked about today. We would love your contribution to that. Please email us. It is fuckoff at firecrutchandnumcourt.com. And then we'll have another full episode next, next Monday. Monday. Uh, thank you to Chris Addison for being such a wonderful guest. Always the best. And thank you to you for listening. We really appreciate it. We would also really appreciate it if you uh, if you use iTunes or whatever, Apple Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to your podcasts, if you would rate and review the podcast, providing you're going to rate it five stars and review it glowingly. And you know what? I didn't understand because we've been like tweeting about this and trying to like, you know, do the shit that we have to do about it on social media. And you had put in all your posts, the stuff about rating and reviewing. I didn't understand the relevance of it. I now understand. Yeah. When people rate and review, it's this thing that helps other people know about it and we're two sad middle-aged adults who have very little to dream for other than this podcast so like they're doing us a favor so yeah uh, if you could do that that would be greatly appreciated and we'll see you on mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. On Friday, and then again next Monday. Now, fuck off. 